0: Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, January 24th. Did you know it's Macintosh Computer Day? It was on this date in 1984 that Apple began selling its very first Mac. Just take a listen to the specs. It boasted a built-in 9-inch monochrome display, a clock rate of 8 megahertz, and 128 kilobytes of memory. Yes, I said kilobytes. That's like a phone It almost sounds like the dark ages. Think about all the upgrades that we've had since then. Now let's check in on that forecast over at the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center.
1: And good morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovine. Definitely need the coats out the door this morning. We'll warm up pretty quickly though. We'll go from the 30s this morning with some frost out there to the 50s at lunchtime and around 60 this afternoon under a sunny sky. Not as breezy today. We'll be clear initially this evening with clouds will start to fill in overnight out ahead of our next storm system. We warm up in the low 70s tomorrow, but it comes with a chance of some showers and maybe a few thunderstorms during the afternoon. Cold front comes through Wednesday night, cools us back down. So we'll We'll see sunshine Thursday, Friday, but cooler temperatures in the 50s. Coldest morning will be Saturday morning around 30 degrees, 60s for the weekend. Sunny Saturday, clouds increase with a chance of rain late in the day on Sunday.
2: You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines.
3: Well, another group of potential jurors will be questioned this morning as part of the Alec Murdoch trial in Colleton County.
2: Murdoch, a former prominent attorney in the state, is accused of shooting and killing his wife and son more than a year and a half ago.
3: Fly 5's Katie Camen joins us live this morning outside the Colleton County Courthouse
2: in Walterboro. Good morning, Katie. What's the latest on the jury selection in the case, and when could we expect opening statements to begin?
0: Good morning, guys. Well, prosecutors, the defense, and the presiding judge have already combed through three different groups of jurors. A fourth group will be heading here this morning to be questioned. Now, court is set to begin at 9.30 this morning, and jury selection will continue on day two of the proceedings. Now, we also expect a motion hearing to take place late this afternoon, though we have not been told exactly what motions Judge Clifton Newman will be ruling on. It's likely those motions will involve what evidence can be included during the trial. Yesterday, on the first day of jury selection, three groups of about 100 people or so were questioned on everything from their marital status and job, if they've heard about the case, and if they had any sort of relationship with a very lengthy list of potential witnesses, which includes everyone from Buster, Murdoch's surviving son, and Eddie Smith, the man who was charged for allegedly conspiring to shoot Murdoch in an insurance fraud plot. Eric Bland, who is both on the list of potential witnesses and is also an attorney representing some of the victims of Murdoch's alleged financial crimes, has this to say about the jury.
2: This case rises and falls on the jury that you pick. So if you do not pick the right jury, you could be the best orator in the world, the best, have the best evidence in the world. But if that's a concrete block of a jury you're talking to and they're not receptive to it, you won't get guilt or you won't get innocence. The state would like a law and order type, somebody that believes in government, that believes in authority. Dick wants people that'll be intellectual and question, question the evidence and just question what comes from the witness stand.
0: Our reporter in the courtroom yesterday said Murdoch had to address each group of jurors. After this fourth group of jurors is questioned today, the candidates who make it through the uh, first round will be called back today or tomorrow. We expect opening statements to begin shortly after that. Live in Colleton County, Katie Kamen, Live 5 News.
2: All right, thanks, Katie. Well, we'll be checking in with her at the top of the hour as well. For now, Judge Newman has issued a ruling regarding evidence in the Murdoch case. Yeah,
3: the judge has said that the certain evidence will be made available at the end of each court date. However, certain evidence will not
2: be viewable for the public. Some of that evidence may include the autopsy or crime scene photos. Those will be sealed due to the emotional damage that it could cause to the families. Now,
3: before jury selection even started, Murdoch's defense team had already filed a motion seeking to block testimony on potential blood evidence, making it now two blood splatter experts they're looking to block.
2: Later in the day came a similar effort to block at least or limit part of the testimony from a third ballistics expert. The testimony they're looking to get thrown out is regarding blood splatter found on Murdoch's shirt the night of the murders and the bullets found in and around Paul and Maggie's bodies So far, the defense is seeking to block or at least limit the opinions of two of the state's blood splatter experts with differing opinions on how blood transferred to Murdoch's shirt.
3: One expert said in a previous filing he couldn't render an opinion on whether the blood is back splatter from a gunshot. At the same time, defense is also questioning blood splatter testimony from another expert who says the stains are from a gunshot. The motion also alleges the state's hematrace testing results of the shirt confirm the stains are not human blood at all. The state
2: has not commented on this allegation. The third expert opinion Murdoch's defense wants tossed or limited comes from the state's ballistics expert Paul Greer. The forensic expert says rifle cartridges found near the crime scene the night of Paul and Maggie's murders were fired from the same rifle confiscated from the property that night. Yeah.
3: However, the expert was not able to determine whether, whether similar cartridges found near Paul and Maggie's bodies were fired from the same rifle. The defense is asking the opinion to be tossed or that the court hold a council hearing to determine the relevance of the evidence.
2: Now make sure you stick with us throughout the day. Our team coverage will continue today at noon. We'll have crews out in Waltsboro to bring you the very latest. You can also find us online and on streaming platforms including roku fire tv and apple tv and if you need
3: more background on everything with the murdoch family prior to the trial we do have a full rundown on our website at live5news.com be sure to look under the news and click on the murdoch cases tab there new this morning the south carolina highway patrol is investigating after a multi-vehicle crash on highway 78 in ladsen Troopers responded to that crash at the intersection of College Park Road and Highway 78 last night around 1115. CMB fire officials say a car caught fire due to a mechanical issue before hitting another vehicle. They say a third vehicle was involved but did not catch
2: fire. Thankfully, no one was injured. Three men are facing multiple charges after police say they tried to steal an ATM in Somerville. Somerville police responded to the Sonobos Bank located on North Main Street around 4.30 Sunday morning. Officers say when they pulled up, they found three men attempting to steal the machine. Two men fled on foot while the other took off in the truck. Officers captured the runners while the driver was captured after crashing the truck. The three men, Corey Ankrum, Cortland, Washington, And D'Angelo Grant Dunmire are accused of trying to remove the ATM by using chains and crowbars. The suspects face several charges, including safe-cracking grand larceny and possession of a stolen vehicle.
3: Well, with warmer weather in the coming months, some people are taking a closer look at their yards. However, one Mount Pleasant woman says you need to remain cautious before accepting any work. Anna Harris spoke with her and an official with Mount Pleasant Police on why some people might be more at risk to deceitful business practices.
1: Mount Pleasant police say the elderly are one age group that could be more at risk for being taken advantage of. An official says this could be because some might assume that they're not thinking clearly. Well, one woman says this almost happened to her. So then I realized it was probably a scam. Cheryl Frost of Mount Pleasant says she was at home when a group of men in an unmarked car showed up to offer yard work. They originally offered around $300 worth of work but came back trying to charge her $2,500 for 250 bales of pine straw. Frost says with the small area they filled, there was no way they used 250 bales. She says she gave them $300 because that was the original agreement. She then says they got really aggressive. Ashley Croy, public information officer with Mount Pleasant Police, says they haven't heard of any other reports similar to this. She says without knowing if there was criminal intent in this situation, Frost would have to file a civil suit. Croy does say it is odd the group left so quickly. To avoid paying too much for services, Croy says it is important to check for a business license, a business card, and do your own research on a company before they come on your property.
4: He was so casual, he was so respectful, and it sounded plausible. So I would say definitely ask for a business card and then check the license. Make sure there's a license number on that business card.
1: Frost says the group did not have business cards on them, but that they were based out of Walterboro. I contacted the company that they said they were affiliated with and have not heard back on whether or not they did business at Frost's home. In Mount Pleasant, Anna Harris, Sly 5 News.
2: The mother charged with killing her son Quentin Simon in Chatham County, Georgia, is due back in court tomorrow. A motion hearing for Leilani Simon is scheduled for tomorrow. Her attorneys are asking a judge to review whether disclosing records from family and children's services might affect her right to a fair trial. Simon is charged with murder, concealing a death, false statements, and false report uh, a false report of a crime. After a week-long search, uh, authorities found 20-month-old Quinton's body in a landfill in December.
3: If you live in North Charleston, you might not have as much of a voice in city decisions as your neighbor.
2: Today, the city is embarking on a proposal that would redraw city council districts to better balance the number of people each council member represents. Our Molly
3: McBride joins us live from North Charleston. And Molly, tell us a little bit more about why the city is redistricting and how people can have their say in this. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. City officials say that as North Charleston grows...
4: It's important to rebalance the district sizes so that each vote is counted equally throughout the city. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, the population of North Charleston jumped from just around 97,000 in 2010 to 117,000 in 2020. I spoke to Ryan Johnson, the public information officer for the city of North Charleston, who tells me every district will be affected johnson says specifically there's been a lot of growth of dorchester road and he expects districts that fall within dorchester county to be drawn smaller to account for population changes he says community input in this process is essential because these districts will determine the council members areas that will represent the public johnson says residents who are unable to attend today's meeting which starts at five at the north charleston city hall can also submit comments online or email written comments to sc at northcharleston.org. The maps will also be on display at the Guest Samani Community Center, the Perry Webb Community Center, the North Charleston Athletic Center, and the North Charleston Aquatic Center for the next couple of weeks.
1: Lots of ways to get in touch with the city on this. We just want to encourage people to... Look at the new maps, look at the data and all that's been involved in that and give us your opinion and your feedback.
4: Johnson says the city may make changes to the map after receiving public input. From there, we'll go through the typical ordinance process, requiring a couple of readings before being finalized. Reporting live in North Charleston, I'm Molly McBride, Live 5 News.
2: All right, thanks, Molly. Well, for those who receive money through SNAP benefits, changes are coming starting February 1st. SNAP benefits are government funds given to low-income households to help with the cost of food. DSS is in the process of creating more online services. All you need is your birthday and case number. Then you can find out when your next deposit is scheduled to arrive and how much it will be. Now, starting on February 1st, those who receive emergency SNAP benefits will go back to the normal Pre pandemic amounts. The head of South Carolina's Juvenile Justice Department says the state's main juvenile detention center is overcrowded and unsafe. So now she's asking state lawmakers for money to build a new facility. Yeah,
3: last year, the Department of Juvenile Justice Executive Director, Eden Hendrick, she caught some state lawmakers by surprise when she didn't ask them for much from the budget outside of normal operating costs. Hendrick says it's because she wanted to focus on figuring out what it needed most. Now this year, Hendrick returned to lawmakers with a big request, nearly $30 million to build a new juvenile detention center in the state's capital.
2: In other States the detention facilities where juveniles are housed before their trials are typically under county operations, but uh, the only counties that have them in South Carolina are Richland and Charleston. So the state says D.J.J. is in charge of everyone else at its detention center in Columbia.
4: Right now, the state of these are facilities; they're not secure and they're not safe unless we are have. We are constantly trying to make changes and constantly trying to make upgrades to always focused on safety and security. Um, They were designed for a different population and a different time.
2: Hendrick says the current juvenile detention center was built in 2001 and designed to house 72 children and teens, but they've been way over capacity, averaging 126 individuals in the detention center as of last November.
3: Yeah, she says the new detention center's capacity would be designed around these higher numbers. Well, today, hundreds of people are expected to gather to honor the life of Anton Walks, the Charlotte football club player, died in a boating accident last week in Florida. Today's service starts at 3 o'clock at Bank of America Stadium. Uh, Now, the gates will open at 2 o'clock. Walks, he was born in England and had almost nine years of professional playing experience in soccer before Charlotte FC selected him in 2021. Well, more tragedy out of California, where seven people are dead and at least one is critically injured after shootings at two different locations in Half Moon Bay. The first shooting happened at Felton Mushroom Farm, where four people were shot. The second shooting happened at the Rice Trucking Soil Farm, where three people were killed. Police say they've taken a 67-year-old shooting suspect into custody, and there's no threat to the community right now. There's no word as to what exactly led to the shooting.
2: Six hours north. In- monterey park california community is also mourning after another mass shooting that happened just two days ago in what was supposed to be a night of celebration for the lunar new year instead turning into a massacre now the death toll has grown with 11 people killed and nine others injured chris van cleve has more
5: the hunt for answers brought investigators nearly 80 miles from the scene of the deadly shooting to suspects who came Trans, Hemet, California home, where sheriff's deputies served a search warrant overnight. Neighbor Pat Roth, "You just don't know day to day what who's who and what's what, you know? It's He didn't strike me as having a, an angry bone in his body." But police believe this is the man who went on a shooting spree at the Star Dance Studio in Monterey Park Saturday night killing at least 11. I got uh, three medias in
2: here, and I got approximately 10
5: to see. The shooter fired into the crowd with a semi-automatic pistol equipped with a large-capacity magazine. We want to
4: get to the motive. We want to know what the heck happened here. The only way we're going to get there is
2: through a lot of very hard detective work.
5: Those killed ranged in age from their 50s to their 70s, including 65-year-old Mae Nan. Fonda Kwan is her niece.
4: Shot her first and then proceed to go inside to shoot everyone else.
5: The shooting was first reported at 10.22, and 17 minutes later at 10.39, the suspect entered a second dance hall about three miles away. Here, 26-year-old Brandon Say wrestled the gun away from him as seen in these surveillance images. Sheriff Robert Luna says it's illegal to possess this type of weapon in California. Brandon's father, Tom Say, owns the dance studio. I'm very proud of him. You know, um, if the situation had been any different, Um, I think that night was a tragedy. It could have been much worse if he wasn't disarmed.
2: Do you think your son saved
5: a number of people's lives? I think so. The suspect took off, but about 12 hours after the shooting, nearly 30 miles away, Torrance police spotted his white van with stolen license plates. When officers approached the vehicle, they heard a single gunshot. Investigators say the suspect shot himself. A second handgun was among the evidence removed from the van. Tonight at the scene, Neighbors, trying to make sense of this senseless loss of life, left flowers.
4: Every Saturday, she's always going to dance. It's the day that she looks forward to, and the reality sank in. It's gut-wrenching.
2: A sculpture of American icon Harriet Tubman will be calling Georgetown home for three months this summer, offering educational opportunities to locals and tourists alike. Starting August 1st, the sculpture of Tubman will be on display near Harbor Walk until the end of October. Georgetown County School Superintendent says students will have field trips to see the sculpture while it's there. After its time in Georgetown, it will travel to Brookgreen Gardens.
3: Well, today, the MLK Portrait Awards will be held at the Charleston Music Hall, and that event will pay tribute to several honorees. The Portrait Awards recognize leaders around the Lowcountry. Representative Wendell Gilliard, who began the Portrait Awards 25 years ago, says they're honoring servant leaders who take the time to make a difference in the community. The young leaders of tomorrow from Charleston Development Academy, they're going to be performing at the awards ceremony, and our Ann McGill is going to be hosting that event.
0: Celebrating birthdays today, singer Ray Stevens is 84, singer Neil Diamond is 82, The Office actor Ed Helms is 49, and actress Tatiana Ali, who played youngest daughter Ashley, on TV's The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, turns 44. Live 5 News will continue team coverage of the Alec Murdoch trial today from Colleton County. Be sure to join me and the rest of the team for updates throughout the day on air and online at live5news.com, the free Live 5 News app, or Live 5 Plus on your streaming device. And thank you for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Cameron. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all, produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.